Welcome to another edition of Fashion Council. Today, I have the pleasure of bringing you the third and final interview I did at the CFO Perspective uh, at the Business School of Fashion for our Rutgers. Uh, they held a roundtable event where we brought a number of CFOs uh, to discuss how they were dealing with the pandemic. Specifically, I got to interview uh, Eduardo Perez, who is the uh, CFO at St. Laurent, Rich Narbonneau, who is the vice president of finance at Caring, and Donatella Borgignon, who is the CFO at Alexander Wang. Um, today, we discuss specifically how the CFOs dealt with their retail footprint in the academic, what they're thinking of as a shift to e-commerce, uh, and what wholesale may look like in the future. Stay tuned. I, I hope you enjoy it. And thanks for joining. What do you guys think the retail footprint's going to look like when we come out of this? Do you think that uh, it, you need as many stores as, as the industry had? Or uh, do we feel that e-commerce is going to be a bigger player? Eduardo, you want to stick? Um, sure. I mean, you know, for, for me, when it comes to our segment of the, of the retail industry and luxury, um, you know, for sure, digital or e-commerce will, will, will take a, a larger you know, chunk of the pie. Um, but at least in, our, in the world of luxury, the customer experience is still and will always be necessary. Um, I know there's the, the, the question going around for, for quite some time about you know, whether it's needed or not, the brick and mortar. At least in luxury, it is. Our client not just needs it, but wants the physical interaction and the experience at the store while trying things on and getting to know the brand at an intimate level. So it's not going away. I think it's just changing, um, you know, from a physical, you know, brick and mortar presence. Um, would you agree, Donatella? I definitely agree. For sure, uh, retail brick, brick and mortar is not going to disappear. It's going to stay, for, but it's changing. It was already changing before COVID-19. It's changing in terms of being more experiential and uh, and uh, uh, having an omni-channel is now being uh, accelerated. For sure, the customer want to have uh, go into a store and have a nice experience. Uh, they don't necessarily convert into the stores; so they may convert later on the uh, on e-commerce side of the business. But you can, I don't see really stores and retail disappearing. Same for the wholesale channel, their brick and mortar. I I believe in the balance uh, of all the channels coexisting. Uh, even if for sure we all experience e-commerce uh, taking a bigger uh, sides of the market in the next past six months. And uh, if I may chime in, uh, both of my colleagues mentioned experience, and I think that's the most important aspect of it. Um, in, in, in all my time, I keep hearing the retail store of the future uh, and everybody's searching for the magic formula. What does that retail store of the future look like? Um, I think that people are still looking into that. What is that? What is that? Um, magic formula um, and for sure experience is at the heart of that um, and uh, and I think that the uh, the retailer that that breaks through that and, and discovers that is going to do really well and everyone will probably follow suit very quickly to uh, to, to copy that formula that's so that's that's my personal opinion of what it's going to look like in the, you know down the road and how do you guys switching gears to IT for a second how do you guys think your IT group did? I mean, you had to convert corporate-wise very quickly to uh, move your corporate office 
you know, out of their, their locations to some extent and everybody working at home. That's, that's a big shift for a lot of companies that are not technology companies that are used to going in every day. It was for sure crucial to have a stronger and prepare IT. The decision happened overnight. You moved hundreds of employees to a work from home situation. And of course, you have to make sure that laptops are ready, connection, configuration, and especially the network is safe because hackers and cybercrime are still there more than ever. So all has to be uh, basically uh, realized, achieved uh, in uh, 24 hours as a notice, uh, but uh, that was uh, uh, an important element uh, allowing us then to work normally from home the day after. Rich? Yeah, I can jump in. Um, I would say, again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it goes back to preparedness. Um, Our IT team uh, had already been um, looking at uh, cybersecurity, uh, double verification, uh, as ways to uh, to ensure the safety of, uh, of of all of our logins and to to prevent cyber fraud, um, so they had already been working on that. Fortunately for us, uh, and, they, and they were amazing at, at you know flipping that switch um, and, and moving our people from uh, you know completely remote. Um, and and from our side, we were we were toying with the idea, uh, and we had just been discussing work from home policies. And uh, me personally, I was still like, well, wow, how is this going to look like? What, what you know, what does it feel? Um, and uh, we flipped the switch and did it from Monday to the other. So our IT team was amazing in, in, in their support, increasing their support. Um, and, uh, and and I think that also our, our teams, our organization was 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 amazing, uh, both at the uh, the working level and at the management level. The working level, they responded extremely well in terms of productivity. And, and our management team also, that was my biggest fear. How does our managers um, assess productivity uh, from a remote perspective? Um, and, uh, and, and we figured that out very quickly as well, which was also a, a key component of, uh, from our, te- you know, key contribution from our technology team. And I'll just add a lens of the retail aspect, uh, rather than just adding on to the, the corporate side of it, you know, um, when it comes to agility and what we just went through, um, you know, this is one of the toughest things to navigate during the pandemic, right? Some stores are closed. Some were open. Some were open with curbside only. Some open with limitations. Some open, then closed. You know, while every state with varying degrees of laws and mandates and requirements, uh, you know, you want to talk about agility. That was a moment where everything was being tested. Um, And, you know, from a technology standpoint, it required some really outside of the box thinking. When curbside became the only way to do business in markets, it's like, okay, well, if our mobile POS is not, you know, uh, our mobile payment options are not working, what do we do? And for the IT team to be able to find immediate solutions that cross off all the boxes and allow us to do some business during the pandemic is, is what I would say is, is uh, what we would uh, want, what we would expect, and what we were able to get from our IT teams and our technology infrastructure. So the agility from a technology standpoint is key. And that whole curbside pickup and the technology needed to execute it properly was just one example on the retail side. Clearly, wholesale has been impacted just as much as uh, retail has in this instance. So, what are your strategies, you know, going forward with wholesale in, in the current state that they in? Um, I, I guess I'll just start by saying that you know wholesale definitely was was quite a challenging channel, uh, you know, to, to really navigate through during the pandemic. Um, you know, I always call the wholesale channel a complex partnership because it is, it always has been. 
Um, I think that leading up to the pandemic, we were also faced with sort of an industry reset with a lot of bankruptcies and a lot of different things happening uh, prior to the pandemic and then just exasperated with the pandemic. And so, you know, obviously from a, from a pandemic and cash flow perspective, you know, we just finished talking about, you know, slowing down vendor payments. Well, this is where you, you're, you're on the opposite side of the table, right? Now you're getting phone calls from our wholesale partner saying, hey, I can't pay you in our standard terms. You know, how do we figure this out? And so I, I think we, we needed the same kind of relational aspect uh, here to really work together on, you know, the same way we're asking our vendors to wait for payment. Now we have to work something out and, and wait for payment from our customers. So um, I think it was, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where it varies. It was complex because of everything else going on in the industry, um, you know, but it really required collaboration and true partnership. But it, those, those conversations were easier when you shared a common long-term strategy and there was alignment. You know, having a conversation that you know is only about the next six months uh, is very different than having a conversation knowing that we're going to work together for the next six years. Um, and so, you know, it really varied. Uh, but ultimately, when the, the strategies aligned, we're able to find a common solution that, that works for both parties. I would also add to what Eduardo said that uh, um, it accelerated also a different approach in the way you work with these uh, key department stores and or say business. And the way they do the buying, being more retail oriented, using more retail KPIs, making sure what they buy, there was really uh, the best seller, something that can really uh, uh, increase their performances because at the end of the day, they value the brands that really have high performances that they can really generate cash and pay their bills. And for sure, then the discussion from a payment becomes much easier. Of course, they will call all the, uh, the vendors, making sure they can get uh, some stretch in the payment terms. So the net 30 becomes uh, 60, sometimes 90. But uh, uh, the conversation was for sure easier if uh, on top of this, uh, of the having relationship and long-term strategy, you also have uh, good performances that really uh, they see, really they trust your brand, uh, they can really invest in you. Some of the questions we're getting are, are sort of tied to this topic and, and they're questioning what happens in the situation with wholesale with companies going into bankruptcy. How do, how do you handle that situation? Well, I'll jump in on this one a little bit and just to kind of wrap up the, the prior point, I, I think it comes down to, uh, as, as both of my colleagues alluded to, which relationships and, and understanding both the situation, uh, having that line of communication and understanding both the situation of your partner uh, and how important you are to that partner. Uh, so it's, it's, it's super important for that. If, if, you, if you have a good handle on where that is, you can feel good about moving forward. Um, and uh, and you, can, you need to protect yourself as much as possible in terms of credit limits. Um, and in order for you to understand what, what, what credit limits you can, you can give to somebody, you need to understand the situation. I don't know for you to understand the situation. They need to be in a position to uh, trust you to be able to disclose information to you, um, and uh, and that's not something that you can just that you can start at this moment. Uh, I'll go full for forward preparedness. You need to have continuously uh, done that all this time in order for you to have that relationship, uh, because you can't just pick up the phone when times are bad. You need to have those conversations continuously. Uh, 